Hello, this is Courtney Parker, your host for Lingering in the Light. In this podcast, we study recent general conference talks from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The goal is to savor those messages as we strive to become more like Christ. Welcome, and thanks for joining me today. Today, we will be studying President Russell M. Nelson's opening address, where he talks about preparation. So, the day before general conference, my husband asked me, so what do you think they're going to say in general conference this weekend? My response was, that you can't stockpile faith like you can stockpile toilet paper? So, early in President Nelson's talk, the very first talk of the conference, I had to laugh to myself a little when he said, quote, The Lord has told us that if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. Of course, we can store our own reserves of food, water, and savings, but equally crucial is our need to fill our personal spiritual storehouses with faith, truth, and testimony. Close quote. So, I felt like this talk was directed toward me. Have you ever felt that way? Where you feel like saying, Sorry, everyone, that you had to sit through that talk when it was just for me. (laughs) But then, of course, what God says to one, he says to all. President Nelson says about how I felt about this. The purpose of this and every general conference is to help us to hear him. We have prayed and invite you to pray that the Spirit of the Lord will be with us in such rich abundance that you can hear the messages that the Savior has especially for you. End quote. So, how did you hear your Heavenly Father during this conference? Which speakers and which principles spoke to your heart? There were a few for me, one of them being this talk and the principle of preparation, because, admittedly, I don't have to dig deep to find where I'm lacking in terms of preparation, as that became glaringly obvious just a couple weeks ago. So, I've known since I was a child that the prophets have asked us to have food storage. Before I was even born, Ezra Taft Benson reminded the members of a nearly 40-year-old urging when he said, The revelation to produce and store food may be as essential to our temporal welfare today as boarding the ark was to the people in the days of Noah. Whoa, that's big, right? And as a child, I believe my mom did a good job of following that prophetic counsel. Then when I was a young single adult, I didn't feel storing a bunch of food was practical. Then, after I got married, we lived in little apartments, so I didn't feel like we had room for it. Then we bought a home, and I just found other ways to justify not building up our food storage. The last couple of Christmases, I even had the thought come to me, you don't need to ask for that for Christmas. You need food storage. But I didn't listen. I just said to myself, but I want that thing. So then coronavirus hits, and I'm making a run on the store with the masses. I even had a good shot at the food storage from the church cannery. I got some of the basics for my family. Flour, sugar, beans, pasta, rice. But at the time, I thought, I remember drinking powdered milk as a kid, and it is gross. I'm not going to pay good money for that stuff. Then a couple weeks later, I got to thinking, they've got a good amount of some kinds of food now. But how are we going to eat this cereal, granola, and oatmeal I bought? What if I'm not able to get regular milk? And I'm certainly not wanting to expose myself in public very often to go to the store to get milk. Oh, gee, I better get some powdered milk. So I called to find out the hours of the church cannery. I spoke to a missionary there, and she told me the hours. Then she said, Oh, by the way, we only have sugar and white beans left. 
Bummer. I had missed out. So then I started looking online. I found what I thought was a reasonable deal. $38 for a 5-gallon bucket plus $5 shipping. I purchased the milk, then received a really fishy confirmation email. I tried to cancel the transaction, but wasn't able to. Then I called my bank and tried to see if I could stop the payment. They told me that would cost $25. So I told them I would think about it and call them back. Well, then I got a shipping confirmation email, which included a shipping tracking number. So I started thinking, maybe this is legit. But then a few days later, I received a tiny package in the mail bearing that same shipping confirmation number. For a five-gallon bucket to fit inside that packet, it would need to contain some kind of Mary Poppins magic. Anyway, I opened up the package to find a two-inch little Dora the Explorer action figure staring back at me. I checked the website I had purchased it from, and it no longer existed. Yep, I had been scammed. <laughs> and now, I am the not-so-proud owner of a $43 party favor, basically. President Nelson described my predicament well when he quoted Doctrine and Covenants 38:21, If we are prepared, we shall not fear. Close quote. What other scriptures can you think of that would serve as a moral to this story or would reinforce the principle of our needing to prepare in any manner? If you like, you can go ahead and pause this podcast and go look up a verse or two. They could be scriptures that talk about directly preparation or just include principles that are related. Okay, so a great scripture about preparation is Alma chapter 34 verse 33. Quote, for behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. Close quote. So when is the ideal time to prepare for Judgment Day? Certainly not when we're standing in front of them. So in other words, when you're given time to prepare, use that time. The time for me to prepare for a crazy event like coronavirus was ideally before coronavirus came along. Or any disaster for that matter. And let's think about the scripture President Nelson referenced. If we are prepared, we shall not fear. So why don't we need to fear? In Doctrine and Covenants section 103 verse 20 to 21 we are told that, quote, There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. End quote. Elder Renland summarized that scripture when he said, quote, When you receive any blessing from God, you can conclude that you have complied with an eternal law governing reception of that blessing. Close quote. And a related scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 82.10, it says, quote, I the Lord am bound when ye do what I say, but when ye do not what I say, ye have no promise. Close quote. So when God has the prophet warn us to get food storage, and we don't, he can't promise the powdered milk will be there when we need it. <laughs> when I didn't do what I was directed, I had no promise. Another scripture, though not directly related to preparation, I still think has a powerful lesson. And it's one that we've heard recently in our Come Follow Me studies. In Mosiah chapter 10, it describes a battle between the people of Zenith, who haven't been perfect, but they're working on repenting, and the Lamanites, who are so wicked that they're described as wild and ferocious. In verse 10, it says, And it came to pass that we did go up in the strength of the Lord to battle. Verse 11 then says, 
Now the Lamanites knew nothing concerning the Lord, nor the strength of the Lord. Therefore they depended upon their own strength. Yet they were a strong people as to the strength of men. Close quote. Isn't that an amazing comparison? We're all going to go against enemies in this life, whether that's in human form or in virus form or just plain sin. How do we want to fight them? Do we want to go against them in the strength of the Lord? Or do we want to go against them in our own strength? Because even if we, as the scripture says, are a strong people as to the strength of men and do it without God, is that going to be good enough to withstand our enemies? Maybe sometimes yes, but probably mostly no. So what happened in this battle? In verse 20 it says, And it came to pass that we did drive them again out of our land, and we slew them with a great slaughter, even so many that we did not number them. Close quote. The strength of the Lord won. The strength of the Lord always wins, right? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4.13 and how do we get that strength from the Lord? We prepare, both temporally and spiritually. And then, when we do what he asks, he says, I, the Lord, am bound. So, in other words, we can hearken to the word of the Lord and have his strength on our side, or we can be left to our own strength, and then it's just me against the other guy in a battle over toilet paper. Let the most aggressive shopper win, right? <laughs> just kidding. I didn't fight over TP. But I was limited in what I was able to get from my family because I wasn't exactly obedient. So let's think some more about how these principles of preparation apply to ourselves. Have there been times when you've prepared really well for general conference and times when you've not prepared so well? Sometimes I will plead in prayer that Heavenly Father speaks to me in the talks, that I hear him in a way that I have been longing to hear him so that I can have peace or have an answer to a problem that I've grappled with. And along with that, I will not just think about what prayers I want answers to. More than thinking about it, I'll actually write down the specific things I want answers to. And often, those prayers end up answered in powerful ways in the general conference talks. In fact, just before this past conference, I found my list of three things I had written down for the last conference, things I wanted help from the Lord to improve in my life. I showed the list to my husband, and he said just what I was thinking. He told me that I had made great improvements in all three of those areas. That was the power of preparing and the blessing of the Lord being bound. But then there are times that I just merely show up for general conference. In those cases, I'm still spiritually fed, but it is more of a chicken soup for the soul kind of meal. My heart is warmed, I'm temporarily filled, but my heart is not changed. It isn't a sustaining experience. Okay, what about preparation as a parent? My life as a mother is just teeming with examples of opportunities for preparation, but the reality is that I often fall short. For one thing, every week I scramble to get ready for church and often about 10 minutes before church starts, I realize that the kids don't have their sacrament eating activities packed. Should I be surprised that my two options are now either be late for church or have kids bouncing off the pew from restlessness? No, probably not, because I failed to prepare properly. If you are prepared, you shall not fear. How about when I take three of my four kids to the grocery store, and my grocery list, which is a couple dozen items long, is floating around in my head because I haven't prepared properly and written it down. Every question, comment, and whine emanating from my children will be magnified twelvefold, guaranteed. Why? 
because I haven't done the preparation necessary to have a more peaceful shopping trip. And heaven forbid I forget to bring fruit snacks. These kinds of poorly prepared shopping trips are sure to end with a fussy baby strapped to my front, a tantruming toddler who is practically foaming at the mouth, and a foot-dragging preschooler. And then there's me, the worn-out mom, who may or may not be tempted to swing by the customer service counter and attempt to return said children, claiming I lost the receipt. <laughs> However, when my list is written down and I have snacks to appease my kids, honestly, things don't go smooth as butter, but they do go better. Because if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Or how about when it's 4.30 p.m. and I suddenly realize I should have dinner on the table for my family in half an hour and have no idea what to make? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> of course, I'm feeling all kinds of anxiety, which transforms into irritability toward my children. It certainly doesn't help that their questions and demands keep flying at me while I'm also trying to mentally concoct a kid-approved, at least somewhat healthy dinner using the ingredients I have on hand. Conversely, if I had meal planned, maybe even had freezer meals stocked up, mm-hmm, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. I'd like to hit another scripture as I transition from talking about physical preparation to spiritual preparation. In Jacob chapter 5 it says, Behold, this long time have we nourished this tree, and I have laid up unto myself against the season much fruit. Close quote. That's verse 31. I believe in this allegory, he's telling us we need to prepare for a future time, a time when the harvest will not be as great as it is now, and we'll need to lay up against the season not only food, but faith. Richard G. Scott said, quote, Faith in the power of obedience to the commandments of God will forge strength of character available to you in times of urgent need. And this is my favorite part. Such character is not developed in moments of great challenge or temptation. That is when it is intended to be used. End quote. That's from the talk, The Transforming Power of Faith and Character. There are going to be times when our faith is tested. There may even be times when we have so many questions for our Heavenly Father and our Savior because we feel so weighed down by our trials. In these times, we might have a hard time bearing our testimony in any manner. But if we have built up a strong testimony, then when we are grasping at straws, we will have something to reach for. The time to build our testimony is not when disaster strikes. The time to live off of the strength of our testimony is when disaster strikes. I'd like to read that quote again. Quote, Faith in the power of obedience to the commandments of God will forge strength of character available to you in times of urgent need. Such character is not developed in moments of great challenge or temptation. That is when it is intended to be used, close quote. And I think something else important to draw from this quote is that he doesn't say that obedience to the commandments will result in a perfect, smooth sailing life. Rather, he tells us that obedience to the commandments will help us have strength of character to help us in hard times. Which reminds me of one of my favorite quotes of all time by Carl Fred Broderick who was a psychologist, a family therapist, and a member of the church. And as a little background, he said this during a talk to incoming young women, quote, I do not want you to believe for one minute that if you keep all the commandments and live as close to the Lord as you can and do everything right and fight off the entire priest quorum one by one and wait chastely for your missionary to return and pay your tithing and attend your meetings, accept calls from the bishop, and have a temple marriage, 
I do not want you to believe that bad things will not happen to you. And when that happens, I do not want you to say that God was not true or to say, they promised me in primary. They promised me when I was a Maya maid. They promised me from the pulpit that if I were very, very good, I would be blessed. But the boy I want doesn't know I exist. Or the missionary I've waited for and kept chase so we both could go to the temple turned out to be a flake. Or far worse things than any of the above. Sad things. Children who are sick or developmentally handicapped. Husbands who are not faithful. Illnesses that can cripple or violence, betrayals, hurts, deaths, losses. When those things happen, do not say God is not keeping his promises to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not insurance against pain. It is resource in event of pain. And when that pain comes, and it will come because we came here on earth to have pain among other things, when it comes, rejoice that you have resource to deal with your pain. Close quote. So yes, life is going to hurt. We came here to grow after all, and growth takes growing pains. But when that pain comes, thank goodness we have the tools and the relationships in place to work through the hard stuff. And I'll be honest, sometimes our preparation doesn't bring the blessings we had hoped for. Joseph Smith was a great example to me of preparation, but he sure didn't live a life of comfort and smooth sailing. The rewards of his preparation varied from subtle promptings to heavenly visitations to promises that he would receive rewards in heaven. And I testified that it's the same for us. We'll be blessed for our efforts in temporal and spiritual preparation according to God's will and timing. Okay, so preparing spiritually for trials is important, but we need to also remember, as Russell M. Nelson says, that, quote, Our ultimate quest in life is to prepare to meet our Maker, we do this by striving daily to become more like our Savior Jesus Christ, and we do that as we repent daily and receive his cleansing, healing, and strengthening power. Close quote. Repentance. Repentance is a powerful preparation. And just like food storage, it can be shirked so easily. I know so often I want to climb into bed at the end of a hard day with my kids, rather than pour out my heart about how I fell short. But oh, what power comes in repentance. Not just for the day we meet our Savior, but for our day-to-day. And if we were to dig deeper, what are some more specific things we could do to prepare to meet our Savior? Dallin H. Oaks talks about this, and it's a bit of a long quote, but it was so good. There just wasn't anything I could cut out. So just enjoy it, okay? (laughs) Okay, quote, What if the day of his coming were tomorrow? If we knew that we would meet the Lord tomorrow through our premature death or through his unexpected coming, what would we do today? What confessions would we make? What practices would we discontinue? What accounts would we settle? What forgivenesses would we extend? What testimonies would we bear? If we would do those things then, why not now? Why not seek peace while peace can be obtained? If our lamps of preparation are drawn down, Let us start immediately to replenish them. We need to make both temporal and spiritual preparation for the events prophesied at the time of the second coming. And the preparation most likely to be neglected is the one less visible and more difficult, the spiritual. A 72-hour kit of temporal supplies may prove valuable for earthly challenges, but as the foolish virgins learn to their sorrow, a 24-hour kit of spiritual preparation is of greater and more enduring value. Close quote. 
Okay, so let's reflect for a minute. What can we do better to prepare for the future spiritually? Personally, for starters, I could do a whole lot better at praying fervently or at being more charitable in my thoughts and actions, particularly toward my children, of using my time more wisely rather than squandering it away. I could bear my testimony more often. And how could we do better to prepare temporally? Maybe it's put away some financial reserves or get out of debt, or maybe like me, that's get food storage in order or be more organized in preparing a grocery list. So I challenge you to write something down that you can do to be better prepared. Pick just one thing. So let's talk about those times when you prepare well for something and it seems your preparation did no good. I remember on my mission, my mission president would often say, preparation precedes power. And he asked us to plan out every scripture we would teach for every principle in every lesson we were able to teach that day. So we did. And I'll tell you, we usually ended up using maybe 20% of the scriptures we planned on. Instead, we would have other scriptures come to mind based on what our investigator talked about, ones that were more applicable to him or her. So in such a circumstance, one might be tempted to think, why plan? Why prepare? It hardly makes a difference. But here's the thing. It did make a difference. And this is how. I might not have used a particular verse of scripture I had planned to that day, but then the next day, an investigator would start talking about something in the context of the lesson, and one of us would say, I've got just the verse to answer your question. And we had that verse fresh in our minds because we had planned on using it for an investigator the day before. It's like it says in Doctrine and Covenants 84:85, Neither take ye thought beforehand what ye shall say, but treasure up in your minds continually the words of life, and it shall be given you in the very hour that portion that shall be meted unto every man. Close quote. So even though we didn't have everything in our lessons scripted, because we treasured up the scriptures, the words were given to us in the very hour that we needed them. Now, what if you're sitting there and you're saying, Courtney, I did prepare, and the blessing didn't fall into my lap the next day or the next week or even the next year. To that, let me tell you, I feel for you. I know that's hard, and I don't have all the answers, but I do have a couple thoughts about it. Now, I've talked about how I could be better prepared in my daily life as a mom, but let me tell you about my preparation to be a mom. Practically from the time I was old enough to talk, I loved babies. There was something so special, even sacred, about those fresh-from-heaven tiny humans, and I could hardly wait to be a mom. But there was at least one thing that brought me anxiety about motherhood. I didn't have any built-in practice. I didn't have younger siblings to babysit, and since it was just me and my twin brother, I didn't have older siblings to provide nieces and nephews either. So I set out to find kids to prepare me for motherhood. I decided I would get all the practice I could. <laughs> I babysat and babysat and babysat. I was one of those young women who held babies at church. All of them. I took pride in walking up to moms with crying babies, calming them down, and even sometimes putting them to sleep in my arms before handing them back to their relieved and sometimes astonished parents. Then when I went out into the workforce, my employment varied, but it often had a theme in childcare. I worked at two daycares, a parent center, and a rec center in the preschool programs department. When it came to decide what to study in college, 
first right out of high school, I got a certificate in early childhood education. And then later on, it didn't take too long to decide what I would pursue a degree in. And I majored in marriage and family studies with a minor in nonprofit management with the goal that I could one day work for an organization that helped families. So you see, having and raising children was kind of my life's focus. Could I have prepared better? Certainly. But I felt like I got an A for effort, at least. And I bet you know where this is going. When I had my first baby, I felt like I was living a nightmare. She was colicky. She cried so much. And I cried right alongside her. I felt like she hated me. And honestly, I wasn't loving motherhood. Okay, so let me stop here for a minute because this is where I stopped when I was preparing this podcast. I had felt like I needed to include the story since it relates to preparation. But then I got here and I thought, well, gee, what's the moral of the story? Sometimes you prepare and it doesn't do any good. That's not the message of faith and hope I'm wanting to share with whoever listens. So then I thought, maybe I need to take this story out. Perhaps I just felt like I needed to write this story because it would serve as good writing practice. So I just let it sit for a few days. But then, yesterday, I was listening to BYU's Women's Conference, which they streamed live online. I only caught a 30-minute snippet, but listen to what I heard from Sister Harkness. Quote, We are never alone. Just as God prepares us to meet our challenges, He stands by helping us to endure them. And one way He does this is through personal revelation. Close quote. Right there. Did you hear that? God prepares us. Here I've been focusing on what we need to do to prepare. And sometimes that's how it works. We do the work to prepare and we end up having a better outcome. But sometimes God prepares us. She goes on to say, quote, As you look back on your life, can you see how God was preparing you for the very trials you were experiencing? Close quote. Oh my goodness. So maybe I had this inborn love for babies and children to prepare me to better handle that huge trial. And as I look back, there were, there were times when I would hear her wake up and I would think, oh yay, I'm so excited my baby's awake. I tell you, it was hard and continues to be hard to have a bond with that child. But I can see now that he prepared me for that trial. Nearly eight years later, I am realizing that. Sister Harkness also said, quote, We can feel prepared for the future by heeding President Nelson's plea for us to develop or increase our ability to receive personal revelation. Hearing his son is Heavenly Father's way of helping us prepare for the future and endure the present in faith. Close quote. Now this is something I've thought often about. One way that I did not prepare well for motherhood was that I had not honed that skill of personal revelation. I had not gotten used to what God sounds like to me. I had done so much to prepare for motherhood, and there were times that I felt that God had left me alone. But the truth is, He was there all along. The problem was, I didn't realize I was receiving personal revelation. He actually gave me promptings that maybe something in my milk was upsetting her tummy, or that maybe my baby would benefit from medicine, or that I needed to have a serious talk with my doctor and figure things out. Because all this time, my little baby simply had acid reflux. But although I begged and pleaded for God's help, 
I didn't recognize his promptings. I just waited for God to take the burden away. Was my preparation enough? That is a question I have asked so many times over the years. And you know what? I think for my part it was enough. But I failed to recognize that because I'm imperfect, I am going to prepare imperfectly. And therefore I needed my Savior to make up the rest. I needed His grace. In 2 Nephi chapter 25, verse 23, it says, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ, and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved, after all we can do. Close quote. So first of all, I needed to believe in Christ. I needed to believe that He would help me and my daughter believe that he loved us and wouldn't leave us, believe that he helped me do the best I could do, and that his grace was there to make up the difference. And what did that grace look like? It looked like subtle promptings. It looked like having a husband who was there for me in every way through this trial. It looked like increasing strength day by day. All right, and please, I want you to know that I'm not encouraging you to be prepared all at once. As it relates to preparing food storage, President Benson, when he was serving as a member of the Twelve, said, quote, You do not need to go into debt to obtain a year's supply. Plan to build up your food supply just as you would a savings account. Save a little for storage every paycheck. Make your storage a part of your budget. Close quote. I think that's a realistic, sustainable way to grow in any way. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. There was a time in my life that I tried to prepare so much that it ended up being to my detriment. I took an independent study biology class at BYU, just the introductory biology class about cell structure and photosynthesis and whatnot. Well, the first assignment was a test, and I studied and studied and studied for it, and I didn't know if I was ready for it. It's not like there was a practice test. And so I just kept studying and studying and studying. And you know what? I never took that test. I never moved forward at all in that course. Thankfully, if you don't do anything in an independent study course, at least back when I was doing it, they just drop the course altogether and don't give you a grade. So I wasted money, money on it, but at least it didn't ruin my GPA. <laughs> so if we try to wait until we're perfectly prepared, we're not going to be able to move forward. You end up risking never progressing. And we'll cover that idea more as we delve into Joy D. Jones' talk in the next little while, which was such a good talk, by the way. So I've got a question for you. Maybe you want to write about it or just think about it. When was the time that you prepared well for something and things turned out great? And on the flip side, when was the time that you didn't prepare well for something and the results were less than favorable? All right, so that's all for now. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lingering in the Light. And I'll see you next time.